Welcome back to Aligning America. I'm your host, Vincent Miller, and let's jump right into things. So the first thing we're going to talk about, it's less, it was, it's not hardly related to American politics, or rather, it shouldn't be related to American politics, but somehow it's become our own culture war. Yes, of course, I'm talking about the royals from across the pond. There's a bit of controversy surrounding the British royal family, that being mostly Meghan Markle's son, Archie, who has been accused of not being white enough. Now, you may ask yourself, well, he's the son of two very, very, very much uh, lighter skinned folk. Uh, One, of course, being full British. One, of course, having small amounts of African-American ancestry, not to diminish the fact, but simply to point out in a realistic world, if you look at both of them, you would not say, oh, wow, it's a mixed race couple. You would say, oh, wow, it's the British royal family. Now, with that said, you look at the two of them, you look at their son, you say he's white. What's the problem? Let's just be real. What's the issue? I think this whole thing, just for a a bit of context, is a bunch of baloney. And it's quite honestly one of the most ridiculous stories that I I think I've covered so far. But considering that it is now becoming an important part of American politics, I I felt obliged to cover it. This, of course, extrapolated into accusations that Prince Philip and the Queen had been skeptical of Archie being a titled member of the royal family because he was not white enough which of course is incredibly archaic, racist, and a propagation of the stereotype that the British royal family is a colonizing, imperialistic family of people who have stolen from indigenous folk for the past 300 years, and yada yada. Even Queen Elizabeth being nearly, I I, I actually don't know her proper age, I I should not jest or joke or, or assume, but she is very, very old. Everyone knows this. Uh, same with Prince Philip. They're very, very old. They were around in World War II. I know that much as fact. These people are old, and it does not surprise me to hear they hold such uh, reservations against those of non-white heritage. Where did this all get released? Well, of course, it was an interview with Oprah, of all people, which is where the American part ties in, the culture war ties in. Of course, Oprah being a a figure who is very popular amongst the left, at least the centrist left, and not very popular amongst the right, probably because she's a black woman, but moving on with that, she is not necessarily the most controversial person or figure in the media. However, there was an interview where this was all outed, where Meghan Markle went on to say that they were they were accosted, they were uh, harassed, and even stories coming out now that Meghan Markle herself was uh, abusive and and cruel to staff, which is, again, a question that really dates back to Princess Diana and the fact that she was hounded by the media. It all, of course, ties into the royal family drama. But where it comes into American politics is what I'm interested in just for the next few minutes here. I I think it's very interesting that, of course, the right wing of the United States has decided to jump in and jump on the wagon saying the queen is the best character ever. She's the best person you've ever seen, uh, an impeccable person. Great. Uh, venerate the queen, awesome greatness. And of course, these are the same people that insult royals and royalty and anything that isn't a democratic government, anything that isn't libertarian, futuristic uh, anarchy. I mean, these are the people, right, that go and say Joe Biden's a dictator. And then they turn around praising a conservative member of a royal family that with full and total powers, at least in the past, of course, it's just odd, right? It, It shows immediately the fact that all of it is, is a complete lie and that the ideals are not what matters. These people only gravitate talking heads on both the left and right only gravitate towards the argument that fits them in that exact moment, because why else would you stick to your principles? It doesn't get you any more money, doesn't get you any more clicks or views or any of that. 
you see these sort of stories and it makes you wonder what values do these people truly hold? Who knows? But you saw people like Stephen Crowder and Ben Shapiro come out and say, oh, the queen is amazing. What a great person. How could you insult the queen? Which is just hilarious seeing as they hate any semblance of authority. And then you saw people on the left defending Meghan Markle, of course. And again, I think overblowing the fact saying that uh, Archie was black or or stuff to that effect, I, I found quite comical because if you look at pictures of him, He's not. But really, that's all the story boils down to is is how interesting and how attached the culture war is to everything. And we're going to talk about that a little bit more today. But the culture war is just it is a magnet that pulls itself to any story ever and immediately finds the need to divide the population on completely arbitrary lines that talking heads get to decide. You you wonder what if Donald Trump had been pro-mask? What if Joe Biden had been anti-mask? The sides would have flipped, and I guarantee you we'd be the opposite of we were today. I think we would have seen a huge, massive push for masks. And then, of course, on the left, you would have seen anti-maskers. It, it, it's it's whatever people listen in the media. It's the same stuff. You, you really got to understand that these people will fall for everything the media tells them. If enough people that they trust and abuse that trust and, and they tell them lies or falsities, if enough people tell you, you're going to believe it. That's the, the, that's the status of an echo chamber. And of course, that's what most people fall for and prescribe to. And it's a shame because quite honestly, it's a bit ridiculous. This culture war is, is getting a bit insane. Another story, of course, related to the culture war. Let's talk about burnings. Now, we all grow up reading Fahrenheit 451. We all read 1984. That's basic standard English literature, baby. That is high school reading. You slept through most of the reviews, but I hope you read the spark notes. You got to know at least the very basics of these stories if you want to get around in not even academic circles. I mean, obviously, this proves it. You just need to know it for political discourse, for casual discourse, for quite honestly, to be able to to mobilize yourself in any conversation pertaining to totalitarianism and whatnot. These stories really found the beliefs of, of the American youth and then later Uh, shape their beliefs as adults on what is and what isn't a dictator, what is and what isn't a totalitarian government. So you want to talk about book burnings. You want to talk about mask burnings. You say these sound ridiculous. What are these? What are you talking about? Well, I haven't lost my mind, though some people have. Apparently, there was footage of the Idaho Capitol, and outside of that Capitol, there were trash fires being started by anti-maskers who were burning masks in trash cans outside as a sign of protest. Now you ask yourself, we've been about a year now in the pandemic. When will people learn? You've seen the gradual acceptance of masks on some people. Some some corners of the right have started to believe in the science behind masks. But of course, there are stragglers. There are strongholds of disbelief and ignorance. And these are on full display here in Idaho. It just makes me wonder why, again, I've already answered my own question, though I'll, I'll beg it anyways. Why do these people feel the need to go out and to actively fight against the nation's interests when it is their desires, an example being to get back to school, to get back to work, to get back to normalcy, uh, that they're fighting against? They actively contribute to the problem and then complain when the problem persists. It's a bit ridiculous, but here we are. Why did I reference book burnings along with mask burnings? Well, uh, there's a metaphorical book burning, apparently. As accused by the right, six Dr. Seuss classics that no one's ever heard of have been pulled from the shelves for racial depictions of uh, different groups. I've never read any of these books. I've never even heard of them until the story broke. But 
I, I thought I'd briefly touch on it because the right is claiming that it is the ultimate book burning. This is literally 1984. This is Fahrenheit 451. These six children's books that no one's ever heard of are being pulled from the shelves because they have pictures of Asian and, and uh, specifically, I've, I've heard, Japanese and Chinese men with slanted eyes or black people with egregiously overproportioned lips. These depictions are obviously wrong and bigoted and rooted in ignorance. However, they were penned in 1950s, 40s, 60s. So there is a bit of a cultural divide. You may say, now, Vincent, doesn't that mean they should be immune from the criticism of today? It's unfair to hold them to the standards of today. And I agree. I actually genuinely believe that these books were written perhaps not in bad faith. They did not mean to intentionally insult these groups. However, I think they have aged poorly and they deserve to be at least looked at. Perhaps you could edit them to have them either removed or reworked, redrawn. I'm sure you have the talent out there to do so. You're a multi-million dollar company with the rights to Dr. Seuss's novels and books. I don't think that you're lacking the cash, but I think it's an act of choice from a private company to remove six books from publication. You will still have them in circulation for decades to come, but they won't be printed anymore and sold actively online. This is not a travesty. This is not the world coming down on the back of America's youth or America's literature and, and, and the past. This is not that. This is not a situation in which things are being removed from the culture in an active bid to destroy the culture. This is simply the culture reorganizing because over the past 60 years, things have changed. What a shock. I, I wonder sincerely what these people will do when people stop using anti-gay slurs and, and anti-black slurs in music. I wonder what they will think. Quite honestly, it makes me laugh that these people look at it's the same situation as in when everybody references Blazing Saddles, which is a comical movie made at a time when the, the things said in the movie were not socially acceptable in the slightest, but that's what made them funny. And there was a climate and a culture of acceptance of that excuse that is no longer permeating society. You could not make that movie at all all. You could not come close to making that movie in the modern day. And I think that's for the best. It's a very offensive movie, which again, I do not harbor ill will against the creator at the time. It was just another South Park trying to push the edge, trying to be as edgy as possible to make sure that you could get laughs and get people to say, wow, I can't believe they did that, which is fine. But when society starts to reconcile with the fact that it's offensive or it was too far, it's totally fine for said society to say, you know what? Maybe that wasn't our, our best moment. Perhaps that wasn't the shiniest part of our history. And when they reflect on that and say, ooh, maybe we should cover that up. Maybe we don't really need, to, maybe Blazing Saddles could still be in circulation, but we don't need to make DVD copies anymore. That's fine. That is not a book burning. That is not the ideology being erased. And if it was, quite honestly, I hate to say it, it would be a racist and, and offensive bigoted ideology being erased in the first place. But regardless of that fact, I'm here to play devil's advocate. Quite honestly, I believe that it is okay for these things to be in circulation as long as everyone recognizes the offensive and bigoted nature of some of the depictions and to understand that, yeah, it, it may not be the best thing for us, but it happened. And that's okay. It's totally fine. So Quite honestly, I, I believe that we will all get over this. I think the culture war will end eventually. It's a matter of when, not how or, or if. But I do quite honestly believe that given enough time, people will come to realize that it's all manufactured outrage. It's media propagating manufactured outrage. You see Fox News losing their minds over this and you just kind of laugh and say, 
You don't have anything better to talk about, huh? That's it. This is this is the top of media right now. This is the top of journalism. So quite honestly, it's a big nothing burger. And I think nobody needs to honestly worry about society moving forward and erasing its past just by rectifying small mistakes along the way. That's fine. And and much like the Constitution in the United States, it, it was created. Society has always been constantly innovating and reworking situations that it had presented to itself in the past. And that's OK. That's how human society works. And everyone has to get on board before the train leaves the station, because that's just how the facts of life can be. Moving on to a story that I believe to be far more important than any of those I've covered today so far, and quite honestly, much more impactful in the grand scheme of things that might actually genuinely push the needle one way or another in social uh, and national politic, uh, looking at Governor Andrew Cuomo's scandals and subsequent investigations that could lead to a serious upheaval in national politics. What do I mean by that? Well, of course, I'm sure you've heard, and if you haven't, now you will. Uh, Andrew Cuomo, governor of New York State, he has been accused of creating a toxic and hostile workplace, along with multiple sexual misconduct charges brought to him by different women who have all claimed that he has either groped or kissed without consent. These, of course, have led to two lawyers being named as lead sexual misconduct investigators uh, against Mr. Cuomo. And not only that, but his lead lawyer has stepped down prior to any investigations really getting underway. And that, I think, is a telling sign that he is in troubled waters. Republicans have called for his removal through impeachment, and the FBI are investigating possible scandals regarding the nursing homes, which were underreported in casualties during the COVID crisis. This, of course, being, to be honest with you, Governor Cuomo's only shining star that he has pointed to throughout his career was his handling of the coronavirus and that New York City, especially throughout New York State, has been a hotbed for COVID activity and they handled it relatively well in the grand scheme of things. However, if this is true and you've got State Assemblyman Ron T. Kim and mayoral candidate Andrew Yang coming out both claiming that these need to be investigated, even with Andrew Yang's wife regarding the other scandal, saying that all survivors must be believed and the investigations must go forward. These are bad, bad signs when national media members are pointing to Cuomo and saying, you must resign, you must resign, you must resign. And he's got scandal after scandal piling up on him with not only national mounting pressure, but even local pressure that could theoretically put the wind, the wind behind the wings of an impeachment proceeding coming from Republicans in a Democratic state. That would be very, very impressive if they could actually pull this off. However, you wonder, what does Cuomo have to say about this? I mean, the man himself, he must have something important to say. He must have something well balanced and, and well thought out that could be, you know, at least in this time, a good leveler of the playing field and a good decrease of the temperature in the room. Hopefully he's got something uh, important and smart to say. But no, of course, Mr. Cuomo has come out and said, I am not resigning, not a chance. And he called everyone a liar and then kind of put his uh, fingers in his ear and said, blah, 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 and refused to listen to anybody. So now there are insiders saying that he is calling around for state officials to defend him. Uh, and how would they defend him? Of course, well, that's just by not talking about the scandals. That's what he's begging people to do. And it's not working because obviously these stories keep getting out. And now uh, it's gaining national traction. This is a scary thought for Mr. Cuomo and more importantly for the Democratic COVID response in general, because he is the star just in front of Gavin Newsom, who we'll talk about in just a second. He is the national 
democratic star of the COVID pandemic. He is the one that people point to saying that he did a wonderful job. This is bad for Democrats. Let me say it again. This is very, very bad for Democrats. But I would also like to put my two cents in here and say that doesn't matter right now. What matters is that justice is served. One, we appear to have someone who has abused women and staff throughout his history as governor. That must be investigated first and foremost as a personal charge. Secondarily, we must look into these investigations. And I think, honestly, we'll probably, with all the evidence piling up, I say this, we'll probably find something pretty sketchy. Just being honest with you, these stories would not have come to light if investigations had not already been done and seen numbers being changed and manipulated for his favor, that's got to be a telling sign, to say the least. Much like when Trump refuses to show his tax returns, why wouldn't you show them if you were hiding, you weren't hiding something? Again, it's a telling sign. If these numbers have already been noticed, then it's very likely that they've been changed, removed, etc. And that Cuomo's got a, a big, big order to, to cook for because it's not looking good. And honestly, I can't imagine he makes it out of this one, especially his political career is pretty much done at this point. Uh, he would certainly not win re-election and he may lose here right now in impeachment. So we'll have the story develop as it goes on. But it's definitely an interesting thing to see a national member just get absolutely destroyed from both sides and then from the centrists who seem to align most strictly with Me Too, though, of course, there are people who are on the Me Too, believe all women side of things who do bend over backwards for corporate Democrats and say, oh, well, not him. Same thing with Joe Biden. However, Joe Biden has not been accused and then investigated around those accusations. This would be the first that those specific blue checkmark Twitter members, people that would actively oppose an investigation that has at least substantial support from the federal government. That would be interesting to see. And we'll have to see as it develops, of course, like I said, but it's spelling dark times for the Democrats, especially as 2022 gets ever closer. And they need to watch themselves with five Republicans slated to resign without running for reelection. There is chance for big change. And it may not necessarily be good for Republicans uh, if Democrats play their cards right. However, with stories nationally breaking like this, that's not a good sign. It's not good for them. It, it's not good for the national prospects. And we're going to see how it all shakes out. And lastly, today, we're going to talk about everyone's favorite 50-something-year-old governor who has absolutely ripped arms. That would, of course, not be Governor Schwarzenegger. You're a few decades too late. But Gavin Newsom, everyone's favorite. COVID protector, who then, of course, simultaneously goes to dine on masks with more than 10 people at his private residence. But let's not talk about that, guys. He's cool. He's fun. He's hip. He just opened up baseball parks for the general season. How can't you like him? Well, apparently 2 million people don't. As the recall effort gets well underway, they claim they have 2 million signatures, which would, of course, be more than enough to force the vote, which would kind of spell... Not danger, because I understand that he's incredibly popular amongst Democrats, especially older Democrats within the state. I do not think that he is any real danger, but it does show that he is a shaky support, at least in pockets of California. And it does seem to propagate the idea that people are, are really getting tired of his double sided approach to the political nature of the pandemic, being the guy who claims that everything needs to be open while closing everything, of course. That is an interesting approach, and it did seem to pay off for quite some time, but this recall movement has gained steam, and amongst Republicans especially, 
it is well underway. They're claiming that they're going to force the vote, and it kind of looks bad for Mr. Newsom. However, the most unlikeliest of saviors, Bernie Sanders, chimed in today claiming that Gavin Newsom is being impeached, being recalled for asking people to put on masks, and he should not be accosted by the far left, which should rally at least some support from the far left. No, I do not believe that everyone will fall in line with this thinking. And this may have just been a favor being called in from one national politician to another, but it's definitely a surprising show of support from Bernie Sanders, who doesn't often support centrist Democrats like this. Uh, It is a bit strange. So you do wonder, right? You do wonder what the situation is going on behind the scenes, but it does seem to paint the picture that perhaps people have it wrong. Perhaps Gavin Newsom is the one that needs to be looked at in a better light. Perhaps he has not done as much wrong as people have painted him to. I don't know. I can't really judge him on that. I have not been personally affected by the pandemic in a health sense, so I cannot claim like some to be personally challenged by Newsom. I have not had my income reduced, nor have I had my health deteriorated under the pandemic, so I, I am in no place to say However, many people do seem to have problems with Mr. Newsom's handling of the pandemic. So this may be a bellwether election just to kind of show support for this sort of handling of the pandemic. And even as the pandemic starts to be fought back by vaccines and quite honestly, record amounts, it's still going to be a while, guys. And I'd like everyone to keep that in mind. It's still going to be a while before we get back to normalcy. So the argument that it's not going to matter in five months, I, I disagree. I believe that it still very well may matter, and and I think it likely will matter. So it's something important to keep in mind as this election gets underway. Uh, If it is true that these recall organizers truly do have two million votes, we'll have to see. As it shakes out again, it just kind of shows that the Democrats have a weak national standing right now. It doesn't look good, especially post-2020, where they came off a, a victory high and they said, you know, we've got this the Senate now with 50-50, with Kamala as a tiebreaker. We've got the presidency and we've got the Congress. We should be able to do whatever we want. And then, of course, Democratic senators, three in particular, seem to break with the party every single time and created so many problems for them that now they really can't deliver on any of the promises. And it's looking real bad for them nationally. They did pass the stimulus bill, which we'll talk about probably more next week. But it doesn't show well for PR. It's not the 2K that they promised. And more importantly, It took him a long time. Uh, I understand it's still underneath his first 100 days. I I get that. However, Joe Biden, it was difficult for most progressives to stomach him the first time. If he christens Kamala Harris as his choice and nominee for the Democratic Party, I can't imagine she wouldn't face serious opposition for a more progressive candidate. And even as I think about it, people like Bernie Sanders are far too old. I could see Elizabeth Warren running again and on the pretty much same platform, but I think she would probably do much better than she did last time, just on merit of no competition. And especially because people like Kamala are the direct antithesis of the Democratic Party that uh, Elizabeth Warren is attempting to see. So, again, we'll have to see as it plays out in 2022 and then especially 2024. Uh, 2023 running into 2024, but it doesn't look great for Democrats is honestly the takeaway that I have. And I think uh, most people will have going away from this week's news cycle. It doesn't look awesome, especially as the culture war drags attention away from honest issues that I think uh, Republicans are facing right now. It does seem to weaken the standing of the Democrats in this fight as Trump has entirely receded to the background, which is the best thing that could have happened for the Republican Party. He has entirely removed himself from national politics for the most part in any meaningful way, 
Uh, he's not producing any headlines. He's not producing record numbers of turnout in anything. Uh, and I think that's the worst place that Democrats could find themselves because they do not have their scapegoat. They do not have their demon. They do not have the person to scare all the Democrats in line. It's a bad, bad situation for them. And we're going to see how it plays out. But uh, moving into next week, uh, it it's going to be a rough one. listening through to the end we'd really appreciate it if you check us out at aligning america on instagram and twitter and if you really enjoyed it and want more content like this be sure to head over to our patreon to ensure we can keep putting out episodes changing hearts and minds one podcast at a time thank you